I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Your source for big game talk. It's off tackle. Empire! So, you know, the thing about that Pat Chambers news is it kind of overshadows other unfortunate Penn State news. Well, unfortunate, I guess, for the school. I mean, can you really call a Pat Chambers thing unfortunate? I don't think so. But anyway, surprising and unpleasant news. We'll go with unpleasant for Penn State that broke earlier this week. Um, Journey Brown, lead running back, is going to be out indefinitely, most likely for the season due to an undisclosed medical condition. Does not sound like a COVID thing. I think that would have been reported differently. Um, I imagine, though, that people had, you know, I mean, I can't say this for sure, but I imagine that people that had access to this got a lot of uh, medical examinations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but it just, it's the kind of like the way the headline is phrased is one of those things where you later find out, oh, it's like spinal stenosis or a heart defect or something. So, certainly hope all the best for that. Um, he really came on. It, he, and their bowl win over Memphis, he, I mean, it was one of the better bowl performances by a running back we've seen recently. And when you look at Penn State running backs in recent years, he's probably been one of the more versatile ones that they've had. And well, a guy that can come out of the, well, I mean, Miles Sanders. Sanders and Saquon Barkley, man. I mean, like, they've had receiving backs. Barkley between the tackles was one place where he wasn't uh, no, he quite wasn't. as effective as Sanders and Brown. He had a little bit of a tendency to dance, though. Um, but in, in any case, he That's certainly... That's not to say that he wasn't more effective outside than either of those guys, but... Yeah, all right. But it, in any case, he's going to be out. They should be okay there in that they've still got a combo of Noah Kane and Devin Ford, some guys that they played last year. But they did also lose Ricky Slade to transfer, so they're maybe a little bit more shorthanded there. They got very good news when Pat Fryermuth decided to opt back in after initially just saying he was going to sit out. So you have enough weapons there, but they are really going to miss K.J. Hamler. That's still very true. And, you know, losing Brown is not going to help. I'll put it that way. So they've they've got plenty of options to choose from, but they got to figure, I mean, they got to find more weapons for Clifford because this was still a very boom or bust offense last year without Hamler and without Brown to move the chains. Really, Firemuth is the only proven prominent option they've got here. And if you're playing Penn State, how is the game plan not just to double Firemuth on every play until someone else shows they can beat you? Right. I mean, you know, put whoever, yes, you know, most teams have a guy that's a hybrid defensive back linebacker. Put that guy on Firemuth in press coverage. Yeah, now that Mark Antonio's retired, yes, most teams in the conference do have a hybrid, <laughs> do have a hybrid <laughs> linebacker safety instead of, well, let's put our third inside linebacker over on the strong side and have him cover, you know, <laughs> Ronnie Bell, for example. That went well. <laughs> anyway, um, hopefully I don't have to see that again. So they do have decent continuity on the offensive line. They have a returning quarterback in Sean Clifford, who I think went pretty well under the radar. Had a good debut year as the starter last year. 
And he's got a couple seasons left such that if he's able to figure things out with kind of an unproven supporting cast this year, Fryermuth has probably gone to the draft after this season. But if the rest of his weapons are you know still in place around him, that could really set up for a promising offensive season of in 2021. So um, I'm noting that in this week one, yeah, like the biggest brand names right now, right? The two big ones are Ohio State and Penn State. And then, of course, you have to have the one from the West. So it's obligatory Wisconsin, which is kind of like the store brand version of a... I got to say, I respect that lately that store brands seem to like try to be forming their own distinct brand identities just because it feels like a higher quality than this thing that is very obviously a knockoff of this specific brand. Yeah. Um, So you're not branding Wisconsin as Diet Ohio State or trying to. But anyway, I digress. All three of those have these matchups where it's like, oh boy, could they get tested? They won't get tested. (laughs) Like, probably not. But of the three... Penn State and Indiana is the most interesting. Yes, because Indiana, I think, is the best team of the opposite numbers for those three headline teams. Um, so Indiana's got some offensive losses to deal with. I was actually kind of disappointed to lose the game against them, not because like I thought, oh, we're definitely going to beat them, but because, you know, if it had to be like, yeah, just proving that we're definitely worse than Ohio State and like seeing, hey, how well do we stack up against a program that has like our 30-year history that's like actually done it well? You know, it would have been, I mean, that would have been a pretty good litmus test, but instead, no, yeah. we get to confirm that we are not as good as Ohio State. Yeah. But so there's, <laughs> Much there's to the shock of everybody. There's some things to like about what Indiana has, though. They need Michael Penix Jr. to stay healthy because Peyton Ramsey has gone off to Northwestern, which, again, when we talked about these teams in the offseason, just a mystifying decision. But. Anyway, Penix Jr. has proven when he's healthy that he can absolutely orchestrate an offense at a high level. He's still got Wop Fillier, still got Stevie Scott. They get Peyton Hendershot back from an offseason suspension. And even with Corey Cronk transferring off of that injury, I mean, really, he transferred because Matthew Bedford was fantastic stepping in as a new starter in his absence. Yeah, so usually when you see, oh, Indiana has some really good skill players, well, you... you you know, that's something that you don't often see, but far rarer is, oh, Indiana returns a lot of good skill players, and that's what we're dealing with here on offense. So there, yeah. this this could have a very high ceiling. Yeah, they they have some turnover to deal with, but they're, they've got the important piece. Quarterback, bookends, big-time playmaker. You can, you can fill in the gaps after that. Um, defensively, they did have... Marcelino Ball go down with an ACL tear in the offseason. They do have decent playmakers at all three levels, though. Um not going to be guys that are household names, you know, like Micah McFadden. Um, they, well, what's the guy's name? The transfer from Stanford. Jovan Swan, I think, is that the guy? And then in the back end, Taiwan Mullen, I think, is going to make an absolute star turn this year. Another guy who really impressed me as a friend. That was honestly the thing that ticked me off most about the Indiana game last year, is watching, like, all right, so... Tom Allen, a thoroughly overlooked coach on the national scene, found in a decent but not outstanding recruiting class a standout offensive tackle and a kick-ass cover corner as true freshmen that are just out there playing no problem. I'm like, it, it doesn't have to be that difficult. Like, you, a lot of guys need some time to develop, but it's perfectly, you, you should be able to coach guys up like that, identify, I mean, like, that's again, that's the kind of thing that early Mark D'Antonio did. He would find guys that nobody else really wanted, and they would turn out to be excellent. That sort of fell off dramatically the last few years. And if you're an Indiana fan, you know, you gotta you gotta feel like, oh, well, he's 
Tom Allen's definitely entitled to more respect, but at the same time, you want to, you want mum's the word. It's still quiet for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it's got to feel like you're in a secret club, right? That is only you guys that know about Tom Allen right now. And I don't know why that is, because Indiana won eight games last year, and that's a very noteworthy thing. But nobody's talking about this guy. So right now, it's still your secret club. <laughs> Yeah, which means you don't have to try to outbid anybody who comes lurking. And again, well, because nobody's getting fired. Well, sure, but it, boy, Dino Baber, my goodness, what happened? Man? I, what happened? They're one and four. Got blown out by Liberty. I yeah. What happened? I don't know. You still want him? But I, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, his his breakout year was better than ours. Sure. Rather beat Clemson than Wisconsin. And I assume, I assume you brought him up out of nowhere because we got back to the, well, nobody's getting fired thing. And then you were like, well, wait a minute. Well, because well I was thinking, like, not, well, because I was trying to answer not even. And I think, I mean, obviously, there's no way he's getting fired. Um, I guess, but uh, so I'll put it this way. I don't think anybody gets fired as a result of this year. I think it is very possible for the temperature of the hot seat to be altered as a result of this year. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's definitely true. But no Dino Babers and Tom Herman. You better yeah. believe those two guys probably not getting fired after this year. But next year, all bets are off. As yeah. far as that goes. We, I, we could very well see the uh, the temperature go right back up on Lovey Smith. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. We'll, we got to move along lest we run long here. So that feels like a tasty upset pick though. Not one that you want to pick outright, but one that you certainly want to monitor the game. Yeah, one that you may consider taking the dog as far as the betting line goes. So Iowa at Purdue, talk about adversity. <laughs> so um, how exactly is Iowa going to come into this game? Are there, are, is there going to, are there going to be a bunch of um, obviously prepared by somebody else statements on Twitter about unity. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is one of those things where it's a little bit of a Schrodinger's locker room, right? We're not going to know if, in fact, the well has been irreparably poisoned until we see all the cattle dropping dead on the field. Um, that's kind of, that's This is one of those things. It's either a big deal or it isn't, and we're not going to know. We may not, honestly, we may not be able to tell after one game, but I'll give you a comparison. 2016 Michigan State. Yeah, let's, those let's, first, let's, those let's first, try and lay this out for, yeah. for everybody. Sure, well, sure. Let's, yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to toss it to you. I think you do. <laughs> All right. So you got more relevant experience. Right. So we, we remember over the, uh, so we'll start with Iowa's situation. So over the offseason, Allegations made by former players of racially insensitive treatment at the hands of former strength coach Chris Doyle. They end up, they, I think they described it as a mutual parting of ways. That was probably a, let's do it this way or we're going to fire you. And then he was like, oh, thing. I agree. That is, a, that is a great mutual decision for us to make. <laughs> right. I also input, had input. Yeah. So he ultimately leaves. Um, Farron said some things that you could, I mean, you could squint at him right and they might appear genuine where he accepts some responsibility for being part of the problem. He's obviously not, you know, gnashing his teeth or wearing sackcloth or anything. Um, but he gives statements that lead you to think, you know, maybe this is a guy who could change. You don't get to where he is and stay there this long without knowing who got you there. And who got you there is a lot of young black guys. So if you don't treat them well, if you have if you have either a blindness to or your own racial sensitivity issues, it's going to be a problem that ultimately leads to your downfall. Um, it is also the obviously the counter pressure to that is can you really teach a dog this old a new trick? We're going to see. 
And the reason we're going to see, and the reason all that comes back into focus is because also earlier this week, a fistful of former players, I think including some of the guys who made these initial allegations, basically threatened a lawsuit if Iowa didn't fire Ference, his son, the offensive coordinator, and the athletic director. Wow, I did so, not realize that the scope had grown so much. Well, I don't know that the scope has grown. Like I said, I... I I meant to reference, cross-reference the guys who came forward with this demand versus the ones who brought it up in the first place. I do think it's a lot of the same guys. I don't know that there's a whole lot more people involved. I'm not sure. So I don't want to say that without knowing. Um, but it has, I mean, it is clear that these guys are not going to let that go away. And it's kind of a mix. So the temptation, if you have a knee-jerk reaction to defend the Iowa program, first of all, don't. Stop. Don't do that. Do not defend institutions. You are the if you if that's your reaction, you are the guy who always sides with the professional team against the player in a contract dispute. For example, why why are you doing this? The players are the ones that make all the memories that you love, all the things that you love about football happen. The players made that happen. Yeah, Jerry Jones isn't the one wearing the star when they win if they ever win a Super Bowl again. You know. He's the one sitting in the booth making the most money off of it. So Well, he certainly isn't involved if they're ever winning a Super Bowl again. Well, right sure, about I, that. I'm just giving a, an example of the most visible sports owner I could think of. So, oh, anyway. a beautiful Monday night game. <laughs> God, they got their ass absolutely kicked. Yeah. It was incredible. By a team that the Lions beat. And they're still in first place. <laughs> yeah. That terrible division. They're still in first place at two and four. Good grief, what a time to be alive. They're going to go to the playoffs as a division winner at 6 and 10. <laughs> Any well, unless the Eagles make uh, it at 5, 10, and 1. Okay, so easy tangent to get off on there. But so that's the backdrop you have for this season. Um, we, we'll see if this really has any visible effect on Iowa's performance. But the one way that you will not be able to tell is in any outward statements made by coaches or players. That is not going to be your barometer for whether this is affecting the locker room or not. You're going to be able to tell by the way they play. The reason I know that, again, is because in 2016, it did not make sense for Michigan State to be as bad as they were. Sure, they had a ton of turnover from the year before, but there was still plenty of talent. They had probably one of their better recruiting classes ever come in. They had plenty of leftover guys from the previous couple classes that were well regarded. It did not make any sense for them to be three. I mean, shoot, I went and saw them beat Notre Dame in a shootout type of game. I think it ended up like 40 something to 30 something, um, in which it looked like they were not gonna miss a beat. I was like, this is great. They lost all those guys from last year, but they're still gonna be pretty good. They, listener, as, as you know, I'm not spoiling anything when I tell you, they were not just as good. And over the course of the season, or more so even after the season, what came out is, oh yeah, there were elements in this locker room that there was, first of all, remember, it was 2016. What happened in 2016 that's about to happen again this year? It was an election. And, and was, so the persistent rumor was... It was a specific type of election, too. It was a specific type of election, and certain... That we've not really had in recent times no and and certain players in positions of leadership basically brought politics into the locker room and fucking ruined it and there were and there were also a couple guys who did some freelancing on the field and sort of wrecked the whole scheme too so it was basically just a mesh of personalities that was never going to work as a functional team that was not apparent on the surface because you would have thought this team has plenty of talent these players are big and strong and fast and experience some of them. Why isn't this working? You talk and, about a unified culture. Sometimes, sometimes it gets to be such a cliche that you think it's bullshit. Well, it's way more bullshit in the pros than it is in college. Yeah, for sure. 
For sure. Because in the pros, you're there to do your job, and if you don't, then you don't. You know, then you you expect to not be paid as well for it in the future. In in college, it's you know way more. You know the 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 cultural cohesion of your team is way more important. Yep, and and again because. This is changing, I think, more every year, but because of kind of the coach-dominant culture of college football, it's way easier to cover those things from external vision, from external view. So that's all I would say about that. That's a long way of saying keep an eye on Iowa because, look, on paper, they, especially on offense, should be very good. Even with the new quarterback, they we mentioned Coy Cronk and talking about Indiana. Well, here's where he's coming, and he's coming to take Tristan Wirth's spot at right tackle. They have Alaric Jackson back on the left side. Tyler, or, yeah, Tyler Linderbaum is an excellent center. The offensive line is going to be really good. Their offensive skill guys are as good as they've ever had. Tyler Goodson at running back, um, Amir Smith-Marset headlining the wide receiver group. If Spencer Petras is anything other than dog shit, this offense is going to be really good. The defense is missing more guys, but they've also more reliably reloaded when they lose, especially defensive backs, to the league. So not unreasonable to expect him to be pretty good there. The, again, it's a, it's a big wild card, though. I guess the one thing that I would say uh, is on paper, maybe this linebacker group is a little bit less proven because... They do have Jamon Colbert sitting out. Uh, that was a pretty recent decision. I want to say maybe two weeks or so ago. Um, Christian Welch graduated. Dylan Doyle left with his dad. So Nick Neiman is back as a starter. He's very good there, but they're going to need a new starter, probably Jack Campbell, to start to step in behind a defensive line that's going to be very different from the one they had last year. So five to six wins, because that's if you do if you if you rounding up. Yeah, if you prorate it um, over an eight-game season, really, yes. I mean, it's probably more in the on the order of like five point five to five point six wins is what you'd expect. Yeah, so they'll what they'll do is they'll they'll go probably five and two in the regular season, and then the last game will be called due to like an earthquake or something at halftime, and so they'll award each team half a win, and that's yeah, five and a half. But should they fall well short of that? And it's not immediately the fault of they did a poor job preparing this quarterback. Then, then maybe you think it's safe yeah. to say that there are other issues at play besides just the coaching and the talent. I think it would be a reasonable assumption because there's again short again short of a rash of injuries or as you say the quarterback's just not any good. Um, there's no reason for them not to be very good. Certainly no reason for them not to be good on offense. Speaking of rash of injuries, Purdue is another interesting case. <clears throat> With all the, you, you can kind of think of it this way, which is how I'm looking at it, which is that because of all the guys they had injured last year who were either good or at least important that are now coming back, it's basically like they're getting a super recruiting class because yeah, these, are all, these are all guys they did not have available last year. Well, they're and gonna, also the guys that played under them now have some experience where they might not have had had they been relying on, you know, so now you, you fully <laughs> unleash David Bell. Um, Whereas maybe more of his targets go to Rondell Moore before, and you, you weren't necessarily sure that you had. I mean, you might have kept the wrapper on him last yeah, year if you played him a couple games and figured, you know, between between Rondell Moore and you know Ahmad Anderson, or uh, yeah, maybe we don't need him, so we'll just play him a couple games and then sit him. Yeah, because you have Rondell Moore and David Bell now. Honest question, man: Who do you key on if you're a defense? It's still Rondale. It, I mean, it, it <laughs> is, but... If like, he's anything like his old self, it's still Rondale because David Bell is at least more of a conventional wide receiver in that 
you can still usually expect him to at least be outside getting thrown to vertically, whereas Rondale Moore, that little terror could be anywhere, uh, and he could score from anywhere. So Yeah, but it's almost like you, you really can't necessarily, like, there are a lot of plays where you can't defend both of them as well as you need to. For sure. That's, and that's what that's produces kind of, That's kind of more my point, is you, you try to take away one, and you're going to you're going to leave a little bit more vulnerability to the other. Yeah, I still think, I think you have to pay more attention to more because it's more difficult for an individual defender to take care of him. Absolutely. If you, so for example, think about the bucket game. If I'm Indiana, I might just say, Tywan Mullen, you follow David Bell around and do your best to contain him. If you hold him to six or seven catches for less than 100 yards, We'll call that a win. The rest of us go for number four. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that might be, I mean, obviously I'm drastically oversimplifying, but that wouldn't be the worst big picture strategy in the world. Um, there's so many ways they can get Rondell Moore the ball, whereas they didn't, they didn't do as many things to get David Bell the ball. As they did, and you know, who knows? Maybe that's something Jeff Brom comes up with, although he ain't going to be there. He got the Rona. So he's sitting out this first game. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to be there. Uh Boy, it's we're good, that's something we have to keep track of as well. Who's got their whole coaching staff? Who's got all their players? Jeez, uh, what a, what a batshit season. Um, but look, Purdue, Purdue should be much improved defensively in that they returned George Karlaftis, who was as good on the defensive side as Bell was on the offensive side for them. Really, you could have made, could have made a case for both of them being freshmen of the year last year. They get Lorenzo Neal back from injury, Derek Barnes back from injury, Marvin Grant back from injury. They bring in a transfer safety in Tyler Coyle, who is very good. Yes, he went to UConn, but he's still they still have good players occasionally. Um, basically, if they figure out some answers at linebacker and they get better health, they've got to be a lot better. And again, I know that we're not firing anybody as a result of this year, but if they have even normal injury luck and they still only win like three games, that's when you, that's when you start scratching your head. I've been one of Jeff Brom's biggest fans, but if they don't get four or five wins, if they're not in the division picture in what should again be a competitive West, then what's the problem here? Again, I mean, for, for me, in a small sample size, it's it's more it's more like okay, you can't win just one game, but then who did you beat? Right? Did you beat anybody of substance, or did you just beat teams that turned out way worse than anybody expected? Sure. I'm so, saying that because I'm gonna, you know, Illinois is not gonna compete for the division, and nor should they be looking to just win a single game. So if Purdue gets to four, gets Purdue to four, is in the same way. Like I don't expect they, yeah. them to compete for the division title. If they get to four and four, but they beat Wisconsin, for example, I think you probably take that as some proof of concept. Right. Uh, you know, as opposed to if they're blown out by everybody with a better record than them, well, then that's not really an inspiring way to go forward. Uh, of course, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean all that much. Speaking of not meaning all that much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We've saved the best for last. Hopefully we can make this real quick. Maryland at Northwestern. <laughs> what, what? Oh my God. Um, what in the hell is even... I don't even... Hard no to this game. <laughs> I, you know, I was wondering, like, wait a minute. There's another... What? Okay. Well, no, you know what? I gotta, I gotta watch this game closely because these are the other two teams my team might be able to beat. <laughs> so... Because <laughs> you're, you're saying, oh, we got another game. I'm thinking... Wait, there's there's two other teams. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh no! They're they're playing each other. Yeah. The team oh. the team that clashes with everyone else and the team that clashes with itself. So. Oh boy. We'll run through this very quickly. Northwestern had a painful opt out decision with Rayshon Slater, their highest profile offensive line prospect in my memory. Um, they do add. Oh, pace. since the dude that uh, that the Colts traded. For or, or, traded John Elway for that guy was out of Northwestern. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I can't pretend I remember. Um, they had Peyton Ramsey to a very. I'm crowded, very sad that Sports Jeopardy got canceled. To a very crowded quarterback room. Um, how do you parse out a starting quarterback if you're Northwestern? Because pitch count, baby. Well, no, nobody's coming off injury that we know of. So remember. What was our last data point for a Northwestern game as far as quarterback went? Oh boy, Andrew Marty. Yeah, Andrew Marty looking like Tim Tebow against Illinois. Uh, no, 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 Cam Newton. Okay. Yeah, okay, so e even more so. So, Andrew Marty looking absolutely exemplary in a run-heavy attack against perhaps a disinterested, bizarrely unprepared opponent, but still, he was their last starting quarterback won them a rivalry game decisively. How do you kick Andrew Marty out of the starting spot? Aiden well, Smith it depends. How's Maryland's front seven? Uh, are they starting their second string? <laughs> They're going to be pretty bad this year. So I don't know. I mean, what, what do you do? It kind of depends on how the game unfolds. I would imagine that you start either... I, I imagine that Peyton Ramsey is the favorite to start because he's got... He's by here. far the I mean, best player they've got. Look, Hunter Johnson's the most talented on paper, but we didn't see that last year, and we found out that there were reasons for that that are not exactly within his control, but... but the point being... You've seen Peyton Ramsey play at this level successfully. Yes, and he like you've only got him for one year. I I think it's got to be Peyton Ramsey. But look, I'm just saying. But this is Pat Fitzgerald we're talking about. He's probably going to go with Aiden Smith. That's probably what's going to happen. The guy who threw for like 40 percent completion percentage. What's, what's the boomerist option? Um, Do they have anybody that just likes to stand there? I mean, sometimes when Aiden Smith was running last year, it kind of looked like he was. Just all right, <laughs> that, that seems like the boomerist option. No, I want me a guy that can stand in the pocket, make all the throws. Oh boy, he made some throws. All right. Uh, <laughs> so as far as we're not goes, on his phone all the time. Uh, yeah. Disrespecting our culture. We got to touch on this issue again, though, which is Northwestern's athletic department remains keeping a good leash on Pat Fitzgerald. He has still not spoken out of line. <laughs> At this point, Jim Phillips has to know that he's... He's, I'm not going to say that he's definitely a liability, but that he certainly has um, liability potential as far as your PR front is concerned. Yeah. It, with how volatile everything... that I mean, politics has infected everything. And yes, I use the word infected uh, very deliberately. Very literally. Very yes. deliberately. And so it's kind of, you know, even when you don't want to bring it in, people, people like force the shit on you anyway. 
Um, given that, it, it's it's really remarkable that given how unleashed, you know, just unhinged Pat Fitzgerald got last offseason, it's quite the accomplishment that he's managed to announce. I mean, he I had himself a damn summer last year. Right, and I, I wonder if he saw the way the ensuing season went and he said, you know what, that's it. I'm off the social medias altogether. Maybe that was his read of that situation, which was, I talked to the damn media too much and it ruined everything. So I'm not saying anything to anybody from here on. His wife probably loves it if it's carrying over the whole microphone. But anyway, um, so whoever wins the quarterback competition is going to be dealing with a replacement left tackle. Um, they have a tandem at running back in Bowser and Drake Anderson, who are pretty good, but also pretty injured a lot of the time. Wiley Lees, I'm fairly sure, is back. Aside from that, they've got they, look, they have a couple guys who have looked potent offensively, but they just don't find ways to use them right. Like uh, Jefferson is this receiver who I'm like, you know who he reminds me of is Ben Mark. And there were a couple games last year where they basically turned him into a running back. I was like, they're doing it. They're doing the smart thing. But then they kind of went away from that. The question is, how completely does he remind you of Ben Mark? Because if he reminds you all the way of Ben Mark, then that could be why his work no, is... Well, no. Not the, not the ending part. The part where they're on the field doing kick-ass stuff for Northwestern offensively. That's what he reminded me of Ben Mark. Ah, uh, okay. Not the you're dead to me, you communist part. No, not that part. So, um, so yeah, of course, they're also missing uh, Bennett Skoranek, who managed to pick the only transfer destination where I would like his team less. He could have gone to, to Liberty, but anyway. Liberty, Liberty. <laughs> so, yeah, Bennett Skoranek did leave to go to Northwestern. They got to figure out some kind of solution in terms of offensive weapons, because, again, outside of Lee's, they have guys that you recognize who've been there for a while, but not really difference makers. Defensively, it's kind of a different situation where they've got answers at a lot of spots, except one very important one, which is dominant pass rusher, because Joe, Joe Gaziano's gone. He was a run man, one-man wrecking crew last year. I am stumbling over the most basic of words. Um, man, this is what happens when we don't get normal conditioning. So if they're able to find a capable pass rusher, they're probably going to be really good. Their linebacking group is solid. Secondary's got a lot of experience. And they're always good at producing run-stopping defensive linemen. But finding another pass rusher like Gaziano is not something they can take for granted. They have historically, at least from what, what I remember seeing, maybe I'm making this up, it does not seem like they have ever been the types to blitz all that. So I'll tell you one thing. Before we start our season, pre, our week one previews next year, we need to have some other contributors do a preseason podcast where they report on us and, you know, that we're in the best shape of our lives, that we're doing, you know, that we're implementing concepts that are definitely going to, you know, they're definitely going to reach a new level of performance. And, we're flying, and the, we're just flying to the takes, just swarming around the opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we're all, all all recovered from that absinthe bender and, uh, you know, never felt better. Or, God willing, that DCFC game. <laughs> <laughs> there were definitely a few times last year where I was like, okay, let's begin the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and, and the other thing is, we, we, we did skip over something. I'm wondering how Northwestern's offense is going to look now that they've finally... Fired their offensive coordinator. Moved on. Yeah. Uh, um, they've, they've, you know, they, they've ditched the offense that made Justin Jackson the ball carrier for the guy that was uh, Steve Adazio's offense coordinator at Boston College. So I expect a lot of very big changes to occur. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the, uh, really, namely one... people, namely people on the inside and you message boards will have to spend a lot longer typing out the fire this coach <laughs> comment. Yeah. So and stumble over it a few times. The one thing that is, I think, might be a notable difference is Boston College, despite running as much as they did under Adazio, actually operated at tempo a fair amount. Yeah, that is so true. That could be a change. For I mean, Peyton Ramsey presumably had some of that in his early days at Indiana. Um, maybe you see more of a compatibility there than you think initially. I guess we'll find out. Um, Maryland. So, yet another team at the bottom of the barrel that has not named their quarterback yet. It's got to be somebody new. They've kind of re... They've, they've freshened up the quarterback room. It's either going to be transfer Taulia Tagovailoa or Lance LeJohn. Nobody really seems to know who. They're both pretty well-touted prospects. And there's a decent group of receivers around them here. Dante Demas. Um, I forgot. I think I forgot when we mentioned this, when we discuss, uh, discussed them earlier, that Jashawn Jones is going to be back from injury, um, an ACL tear that cost him all of last year. And they also had a five-star to the mix in Rakeem Jarrett. So... Yeah, Raheem Jarrett, poised to be that next NFL star receiver <laughs> that sorry. like you're like, oh, he went to Maryland, huh? Why the hell did he go to Maryland? That's, yeah. I remember that. I was wondering why the hell was he on that roster? Yeah, the guy who gets drafted in like the third round because his sta- his counting stats are ass and then he's just an unworldly monster. Yeah, that's probably going to be... Stephon Diggs. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly I mean, Diggs is just the best example of this, but I mean, DJ Moore is coming on. Yeah, he was a first, but yeah, it, yeah right. Um... But still, like, you know, the guy that you have to justify being like, no, you look at the tape, this is an elite receiver. It's not his fault. You know, I'll tell you what, I've always struggled when discussing Maryland lately because it's an awkward situation because I kind of think you know, and I know, and I think a lot of them know that the odds that this works out not are not very good not great. long-term and that kind of the only path that it has to working out is recruiting um and that's been going well it's been going well but you gotta recruit complete teams because you can get look ask me about the 2009 fighting Illini you can get superstars at skill positions and you don't coach them up you don't have the schemes you know you, you don't you don't run your program the way that you should run a successful college program. Um, that recruiting is, is not going to help you that much if you don't manage it correctly. If you don't, if for instance you don't recruit a safety or recruit defensive backs, and now you're playing a wide receiver at safety that can't tackle, but every time they throw it his way, he picks it off. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> so he got signed by the Saints as a receiver from his one year. Yeah, well, he caught, he had what like fourteen hundred receiving yards or uh, something. It was it was a thousand, but it was still um, it was after, the only reason he went back to receiver was because the doctor told him, "Hey, you do one more tackle, and your shoulders just not not going to work right anymore." <laughs> Um, and but that, that's the, the, that's the, the short the shortcoming we've seen with Maryland has been and that Mike Laxley recruited a lot of those guys in Illinois for all their talent. They've never been able to put together good line play. Um, they'll have occasional talented individual players, but the whole is never the sum of the parts. And that's why you got the, the DJ Moore, the Stefan Diggs, and those guys that just like, oh yeah, every time they actually get the ball, yeah, that's clearly an elite football talent, but. They can't do anything with it because 
just can't build the kind of team that it would take to leverage that talent to win games. There's a difference between showcasing the talent and leveraging it to win games. And so Maryland is going to deal with a couple of opt-outs on the lines, which is where they're already thin. Um, Austin Fontaine on the offensive side, Olu Oluwatimi on the defensive side, and both of those lines were weaknesses last year already. So that's not great. Um, you know, looking elsewhere again, the skill players are good. The secondary should be pretty good too. They got some nice freshman level freshman play out of Nick Cross, and they've got Antoine Richardson back there. So secondary should be good. Uh, but man, even in the even in a two month delayed start to the Big Ten season, maybe you want to miss this game. Yeah, I, I just I hate to keep harping on this because you know it's not like saying it is going to make it any less bleak. But like I, I just don't know what the future holds for Maryland. Um, I just don't know where this program is going. Well, look, even even if they never get any better in the win loss column under Loxley, if they decide to fire him, the hope. And I think we'd expressed this when he came there was, well, he's going to leave a lot of talent behind. So yeah. <laughs> there's a good chance that, or maybe not a good chance, but a better than otherwise chance that whoever comes next will find some success because they'll have stuff to work with. In other words, what you're saying is that for the good of Maryland, Mike Loxley should actually not be spending any time coaching, any time game planning. You just be on the recruiting trail 24-7. Yeah, you should hit the road, Jack, well, and, and don't you come back no more. And again, that's I'm not just saying that for the benefit of the next guy. I'm saying that for the benefit of the team right now. It's not like his schemes have blown anybody away. Exactly. That's like Does anybody, does anybody really still believe that his time as offensive coordinator in Alabama had anything to do with the success those teams had? Does anybody believe that? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. So normally we would the, take... Uh, year that they had... Uh, one of the years they had Tua, I think is Sims. Maybe I thought it was more recent than that. You could be right. I don't know. Anyway, Any Alabama quarterback that was. Um, so normally we would take a much more thorough turnaround the country. This is week one of the Big Ten season, though. Ignore everybody else because really the only other matchups I saw that looked even kind of intriguing on paper were Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and North Carolina, North Carolina State. Let's get a couple things straight. NC State's only ranked because there's, you know, two conferences they haven't played yet. UNC just had <laughs> the most hilarious failed come from behind win I've ever seen. They must have had five drops on a game-winning drive. And if I'm there, man, I have to grudgingly admit, because again, we are not partial to UNC here, but Sam Howell is a hell of a quarterback. That kid's got a missile for an arm. Of course, I don't know that he's quite as good as he looked against a Virginia Tech defense that was missing basically all of its starters due to COVID. I'm talking about last week. I know, but I'm saying, yeah. but I'm saying that's also a thing that happened. Virginia Tech basically, they they were missing like 15 starters, most of well, them on sure. defense, and then they had to play a conference game and got lit up. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to happen this welcome year. Welcome to college gonna, football 2020. You just got to hope it doesn't happen to your team, which, by the way... Well, if you get that many players, do you get shut down in Big Ten? Yeah, but that's assuming the test that the testing holds up. <laughs> because the last thing, of course, what we'll, what I think we'll close with is Washtenaw County is under a state of emergency. University of Michigan students are currently under an emergency stay-at-home order. You can only leave your dorm to get, to go to go eat, to exercise, and there's a couple other exceptions but otherwise you're supposed to stay at home the football team is probably making their travel preparations to go to minnesota <laughs> 2020 oh boy oh my god your source for big and it's off tackle empire